invite you to open your Bibles, your hearts, your minds, your attention to the Gospel of John chapter 17. Gospel of John chapter 17. If you did not bring a Bible with you this morning or don't have one on your phone, there are some pew Bibles in front of you. And I would encourage you to pick one up and follow along with us as we uh, read our text this morning. Uh, for those that are visiting with us this morning, our guests with us, we're excited to have you with us. And just a little information, I, uh, generally and for the most part, I'm uh, very much a series style type of preacher. And so we've been studying John chapter 12 through 17 for, for several, several weeks now, probably actually more like months. I've kind of lost track of it. But there is so much in these chapters as this is the last week of Christ's life on his earth. And it was packed with just a tremendous amount of very passionate passionate teaching for his disciples. But as you come to John chapter 17, uh, it's, the, the teaching time is over. Uh, he has told them everything, uh, not everything he wanted to tell them. As, as he said in the latter part of chapter 16, there's so much more that I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when the Spirit comes, he will lead you in those things. But in John chapter 17, with all the teaching ending, he now goes to the Father in prayer. It is, reminds you that he has asked his disciples to do the same thing. Uh, he's carried them a part of the way, at least part of the group, with him a little ways into the garden, and he's left them there. And he said, guys, now listen to me. Pay attention. The hour of temptation is coming upon you. Watch and pray so that you'll be ready. Okay, Lord, we got it. And he went off to pray, and he, they went to sleep. So he came back, and he said, now, guys, listen to me now. <laughs> The, the very moment that I've been telling you that you're going to be scattered because they're going to smite your shepherd and, and you're going to scatter. L listen, that time is coming. Watch and pray. Okay, Lord, sure enough, we got you. He went back to pray some more and they fell asleep again. This was an hour of temptation, not just for them, but for Christ. He had been praying to the Father, if there's any other way, let's, let's, let's bypass this. The, the human side of Christ was not looking forward to the cross. The deity side of Christ was, and we've seen that through these passages. But the, the human side was not excited about what lay ahead of them and would have rather missed it, just as any human being would have. He said, you know, I could have called angels. All right? He watched and prayed. He passed his hour of temptation. They didn't, and neither did they pass theirs. Something to think about, because our hour of temptation probably comes every day. How much more needful do we need to be watching and praying? So he's taught them, and now he goes to the Lord in prayer, and it's what we often call a high priestly prayer. As he is praying on behalf of, of others. And, and let's just pick up and read in chapter 17, verse 1, this prayer, this high priestly prayer of Christ. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Remind you again, that's perfect tense. Father, the time is here, and it's not going away. Father, the time has come and there's no escaping it. There's no going around it. Father, the time is here and all that remains is for me to go through the cross. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. 
As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. The priestly prayer really begins to pick up now. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, Keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which also shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I would ask you to consider this morning, and this is eternal life. 
and this is eternal life. We'll go back and look at verse 3 where Jesus said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Christ has been teaching plainly that there is but one path to salvation. That that path would run through him and what he did on the cross. Now, there were those in Christ's day that saw him as declaring a whole new means of salvation. You see, the Jews, and predominantly the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of that day, they thought Jesus was this heretic who was setting aside all of the Old Testament, all of the law of Moses, and all of the prophets. and all. He was just completely abolishing all of that and saying, listen, I am a new way, and that there is a new way to be with God, and a new way to have fellowship with God, and, and that I am the one that you... And, and what they did not understand is that Jesus was not here to destroy all all the old he was there to fulfill all the old and to help them to understand all of the old pointed to me the sacrifices they pointed to me the tabernacle it spoke volumes of me the message of the prophets it told of me guys please understand I'm not here to offer an alternate route I'm here the route that all of the Old Testament spoke of is coming. And so Jesus has taught them plainly, uh, as he did in John chapter 14, that, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man will go to the Father except by me. So he has taught them this. And he's helped them to understand that salvation was to be through him. Now along the way through this teaching, he's used many different pictures and many different words to describe this path of, of, of salvation. In some cases, he said it was like drinking a drink of water, did he not? In other cases, he said it was like eating a piece of bread. In one case, he said it was like opening a door. And to others, he said, well, it was like walking through the gate. And so he gave all of these different ideas uh, and, and all of these different uh, uh, pictures, if you word, word pictures of what salvation really was. Now it's not that there are all these different ways, but they were all to give us a clear understanding of what it meant to be saved. And this is life eternal. He didn't say, and this is one of the ways to have life eternal. This is life eternal, just as all the others were, because they all spoke of that same event. I don't know, I, I've, I've read John 17 every Sunday that we've, we've been in this particular chapter. I think this is the third or fourth week now. And I've read the entire prayer. And, and I'm hoping that by now you're starting to see some things. There are some words that appear often in this prayer, isn't there? I mean, over and over he'll use the word of uh, at least the reference to unity and love. And lots of times he talks about how that you have given them to me. And he references the idea that you have sent me over and over again. But if you'll go back and you'll look at this particular chapter, you'll see that Christ talks often about this idea of knowing. Knowing him. And matter of fact, in chapter 3 he said this is life eternal. What is life eternal? Anybody out there this morning? What is life eternal according to verse 3? No, 
God. But notice, see, we, we, if we're not careful, it's no God, but there's also another knowledge involved, isn't it? What else? See, no God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. The verb no carries over to Jesus Christ. He is saying, listen, this is life eternal. When you know God the Father and you know God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing that you and I need to understand. Lots of words can have lots of different meanings in different uses, can't it? So if Christ says, this is life eternal that you might know, and we assume that the meaning of the word know uh, in this particular usage is this, this, or this, but it's not what he meant, do you see the, the, the problem there? We need, to, we need to get into the scriptures and see what does Jesus mean when he says no. Uh, you've heard me say this time and time again. I have grew up in, in Baptist churches all my life. It's all I've ever known. And I can remember when old brother so-and-so would stand up and we'd have BTC. And he'd say, all right, brother so-and-so, read to me part one and tell me what it means to you. I'm not interested in what it means to brother so-and-so. And I don't mean that in any way disrespectful. I want to know what did Jesus mean when Jesus said it. Because the usage of brother so-and-so's word may not be the usage of Jesus' words. Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know you, God, and that they might know me as the Son. Let's see if we can find that usage this morning. And to do that, let's talk about what it doesn't mean just in and of itself. A lot of people use, use the word know and as, as in the sense of awareness. We were talking, uh, some of us were talking in, in Bible school uh, about, hey, did you know that they're putting a red robin in Benton? Now, some of y'all may never have ate at red robin. We had the opportunity to pastor in, in Colorado Springs for several years, and they had a red robin in Colorado Springs, and, and that was the cracker barrel of the South, all right? After Sunday, everybody went to Red Robin. If you've never been to Red Robin, you need to avail yourself. And I, listen, I'm not on their staff. I'm not gonna get, I, I don't get any kickbacks out of this. But you need to avail yourself of going to Red Robin someday in Benton whenever they get that one opened up. And they have what is called a bottomless fries. And it means exactly what it says. Forget your diets. Forget about cholesterol. Forget about carbs. Forget about all that, and just go and eat all the fries you can possibly eat. It's wonderful. All right, but we we were talking about man. I can't wait. Well, you didn't know. Did you know they were putting one in? And the idea was an awareness. Are you aware of the fact that they're going to do this? We often use this word knowing in the, the idea of uh, 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 awareness. Uh, I came home here a while back, and uh, right after Walmart did something that I absolutely detest, all right? And, I, I, and, and, and I'm not ugly about it, but I make sure that the people that work there know how I feel about it. I'm not ugly, but I hope that they'll carry it back to management <laughs> and let management know that not all of their customers appreciate this. I came home right after they did this, and I told Paul, I said, did you know that they took out a large part of the checkout stands where you could go and push a buggy up there and put your stuff on the belt, and they'd check it out, and they'd bag it for you and all that and the other. Did you know they took all that out, and they put in a lot of self-checkout stands? 
Now, I understand, listen, I'm old. I realized that when I got knocked out of the truck this yesterday trimming trees and I, I can hardly move. So I, I understand I'm old, okay? I get that. And I know that a lot of the younger people love the self-checkout. My way of thinking, and this is because I'm old again, if you got all these self-checkouts and you're not having to pay somebody to ring my stuff anymore, then you ought to be able to go down on my prices, hadn't you? See, they don't think that way, do they? But I came home and I asked her, I said, did you know? And my idea was, are you aware of what they have done? We talk about, do you know something? And, and, and what we're asking about is, are you aware of something? I want you to hold your place in John chapter 17. We'll be back to it off and on. But go to the uh, book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Y'all have heard me reference this particular passage numerous times. One, because Jesus describes a world once he has given them over to the reprobate mind. And what scares me is the world he describes after he has turned them over to the reprobate mind describes the United States of America over the last few years. Now, I understand not everybody agrees, and you say, oh, that's your opinion, and, and prophet of doom, and we came to be lifted up and all that. And all. Listen, lift up because all that means is that the return of the king is that much closer. <laughs> it's that much closer. Paul says that a world which God has turned over, the kids become disobedient, they become unthankful, people become unholy, and that homosexuality will run rampant. Those are the results of a world where God has turned them over to the reprobate mind. It sounds a lot like the world in which we live. But in Romans chapter 1, if you will begin reading in verse 14 with me, Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. I am under an obligation. Let me tell you something this morning. I backed up to catch a little bit of background before we got into the part that I want to talk about this morning because I wanted you to understand it doesn't matter how bad this world gets. We are under an obligation to carry the message of salvation to a world that needs to hear it. We have an obligation. We, listen to me, we are indebted to those that we think we'd rather stay away from. I'm just being honest. Those that we think, I don't, I don't want to rub elbows with them. You and I have a debt before God to those people. Paul said, I am a debtor, both, and he talks about all these things. I'm indebted to all mankind. I don't care if they're black, I don't care if they're yellow, I don't care if they're green, I don't care if they're Muslim, I don't care if they're Presbyterian, I don't care if they're Catholic, I don't care if they're the bum laying in the gutter. If they are alive and breathing, we are indebted to them to share the message of Jesus Christ. That's what we've done all week in Vacation Bible School. I'm indebted. Paul says, so as much as in me is, that's just a fancy way of saying, as we say, so with every fiber of my being, isn't that, isn't that what he's talking about? With every ounce of my body, I have a debt, so with every ounce of my body, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The word ashamed here has the idea, I am not hesitant to preach it because I'm afraid it won't work. 
I am not a hesitant, I'm not hesitant to, to proclaim it because I'm afraid of what it's going to cost me. That's what he's talking about. When he says, I'm not ashamed, Paul says, listen, I will not bat an eye to declare the gospel. And this is what we need today. People that say, listen, I understand that there are churches on every corner that's saying that the preaching of the Word of God won't work anymore. But I'm standing here to tell you by the authority of the Word of God, I will not hesitate to preach the Bible because I'm afraid it won't work anymore. Paul said, I'm not afraid to do it because it's going to cost me something. Did it cost Paul something to preach the gospel? Only every time he preached it. <laughs> Just only every single time. And Paul said, I ain't backing off from it yet. And I'm not going to. All right? I have a debt, so with every part of me, I'm going to do it. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now notice this, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against... Somebody tell me what that next word is. All. How much... How much unrighteousness then fits in all unrighteousness? Is there any unrighteous that doesn't fall under all unrighteousness? You see, I remember growing up in churches and hearing Sunday school teachers talk about those poor people in the dark, dark jungles of Africa that have never heard and that God's going to give them a pass. Made everybody feel warm and fuzzy and good and ooey and all this and that and the other. The problem is it don't fit with Scripture. Read with me and listen. For the what of God? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against every bit of unrighteousness or ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness they hold back they suppress the truth now notice this because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by those or by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are what you cannot stand before God and the great white throne that day and say, but God, I'm from such and such. The, the dirty streets of downtown Detroit or Chicago or Philadelphia or Arkadelphia or Los Angeles and I didn't get to hear the gospel. Or I grew up in this back jungle where there was no modern electricity and no Bibles and no this or that and the other. Listen, you have been given the awareness that God is by creation itself so that you are without excuse. The awareness of God is necessary to drive you to find God. The awareness itself is not enough to save you, for these people are aware, and yet God said they are under His wrath. The awareness is necessary to drive you to look for and search. And here's the beautiful thing of the, of the Bible. God has sworn and promised, and He cannot lie, if you seek me, what? You will find me. Listen, God's not in the habit of hiding all right? You come looking for God, and God will make sure the path is open for you to find Him. All right? These people were aware, and awareness is good, but it's not enough. 
A lot of people are aware of God tonight, this morning. But that don't mean that they're saved. What else does it not mean? Well, it does not mean that you simply have the information of. Now, this could be kin to it, but it's a little bit different. For example, you, you know, <laughs> I, I get tickled. Again, I'm, I'm old, I get that, but I'm around this younger crowd, and, 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 and they get ready to do something. They've never done it before. They don't bat an eye. You know why? The younger people know, I promise you. The younger people are not scared to try anything they've never tried. Why? What will they do? I don't have my phone with me. Google it. I've never done this. Google it. Heather, one, shortly after I came here, Heather was telling me that she'd laid all the, the laminate in, in her basement floor, and I was impressed. I thought, really? I, I, the thought that a woman would know, and I don't mean that to be a sexist statement, but the fact that this woman would, would cut it and, and fit it all together and, and put it all in there and, and everything, and I was amazed. And I said, have you done that before? She said, no. I said, well, what did you do? I Googled it. Now, you can find all the information in the world. I took my truck over to Tyler's one day, and we were working on it, and we were talking about this or that and the other, and could it be this? Could it be? What does he do? He picks out his phone. He Googles it. We live in what is called an a age of instant information, don't we? You know, I can, I can Google how to make the best ribs in the world, and I can gain all the information in the world, but it doesn't matter if I'm not actually making ribs, does it? See what I'm saying? You can know all about this or that and the other. I can take as a research project and I can research all about the internal combustion engine and still you better not turn me loose to work on the thing. You see, you see what I'm talking about? You can, there, there is a world of information that is at our fingertips now. But just because you information, have information... Remember the old commercials for what, what motel was that? But Bill, do you remember? Holiday Inn Express, wasn't it? You know, you, you carry your car to guy to work on the transmission or do you carry your wife to have a surgery or whatever? And Well, have you been to school? No, but I stayed in the Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> Maybe he Googled it there. We, listen, we can get all the information in the world. And there are a lot of people that have information about Jesus Christ and information about God, but they're not saved. Say, well, that's a bold statement. How do you know that? Well, because Jesus said that in the last day there would be many that would stand before him and say, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And didn't we know this? And didn't we? And he'll say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never, what's that word again? Knew. I never knew you. All right? Even by that answer of Jesus, Jesus knows the information about those people, doesn't he? But what he's talking about is there's no relationship here. So you can be aware of God, you can be aware of the Son, you can know information about God. You can go to any seminary in the world and start taking classes, and you can walk out of there with a lot of information. But that don't necessarily know mean that you know him for in truth there have been a lot of guys that have gone to seminary got degrees got their associate got their bachelor's got their master's some of them even got their doctorate and later on in life having all of this information realize you know what I know all about but I don't know 
few months ago I was in Israel, which is why I'm writing the doctorate that I'm writing. I met a guy that, 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 that Moshe, we would call him Moses. Moshe knew more about Jesus Christ than probably any of us here and all of us put together. He knows Jesus Christ. But when I asked him, about his relationship with Jesus and, and, and did he know him as Savior? No, no. Do you recognize him as Messiah? No, he ain't my Messiah. Knows all about, but doesn't know him. In James chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says that the demons of hell know and tremble but they're not saved. By the way, that word tremble, by the way, just for your, for your information, Brother David likes to do this, it means to convulse. Let that sink in. The demons of hell stand and they look at Jesus Christ and they know enough about him that they would convulse in fear and terror, but they don't know him. Do you know him this morning? I mean biblically know him some say well knowledge is experience and you might think well that's enough isn't it was there not a rich young ruler that had an experience with Jesus and walked away sorrowful because he would not come to know Jesus there was a woman that stood at the well of Samaria and although Baptist traditionally preacher is being saved at that particular point, when you look at the actual language that she uses, at least at the point of the end of hers and Christ's discussion, she's probably not saved. And that's, that's easy to bear out when you look at what she really says. She had an experience. What about the thousands that experienced his power to cause the dead come back to life, to cause the lame get up and walk, to cause the blind to see, to cause the deaf to begin to hear, to cause the mute to begin to speak, the withered arms to come back, to turn water into wine, the one that had all of this power and performed all of these miracles, and they were recorded so that people would know. And yet, after the experiencing what he did, so many of them, I hear people talk about they went out into the woods at night and they looked up or into a meadow, a field where there was no trees and they looked up and they saw the stars and they experienced him. And, and I'm not saying that's not real. It can be very, very real, no doubt about it. But what Jesus is talking about is not an awareness. It's not the gathering of, of information and it's not just some mystical type of an experience. So what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about a knowledge that is complete. A knowledge that sees him for who he is. A knowledge that because you see him for who he is, you see yourself for who you are. And I realize nobody wants to go to church and hear this. I realize it's not popular preaching anymore. Nobody wants to talk about depravity. Nobody wants to talk about sin. Nobody wants to teach about hell. Nobody wants to teach about the accountability and the consequences of sin. But I'm telling you, if you and I are ever going to see Jesus, we are going to see mankind in all of his wretched sinfulness. 
You cannot see Jesus and not see mankind for who he is. It's proven in scriptures. Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, and what did he see himself as? A man with unclean lips. John saw him in the throne room of heaven, and he saw himself for who he was. When you see the holy, righteous character of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but to see all flesh as wretched in his sight. It is a knowledge that is complete because it sees him, it sees ourselves, and it makes a decision based on that. A decision to, to, to repent of those sins. Doesn't mean just say, I'm sorry. But to repent of those sins and to turn to him in trust and in faith. I had, I had a lovely assistant this week. I had a couple of them. I must have embarrassed one because the other one didn't come back today. He's sick. But Trevor was my lovely assistant. That tells you how bad we're in hurt for lovely assistants. But I had him up here and I said, Trevor, do you trust me? And he started off with, well, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I trust you. How much do you trust? I trust you completely. I said, well, good. He was sitting right there in closing devotion in Bible school. I said, let's put this shower cap on your head. And you could see his eyes going, uh, what? What do I need a shower cap for? I said, do you trust me? And, and it wasn't as quick this time. It wasn't, oh, yeah, I completely. It was, uh, yeah. I said, well, good. I said, here's a bag. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to fill that bag up with water. So we began to fill that bag up with water, and I zipped it up, and I held it over his head, and I said, how much do you trust me now? And every time I'd ask him, it was a little, little slower in coming. Yeah, I trust you. And by the time it was all over with, I, I'm not sure about this. I said, well, here, here's a towel. Wrap up around it. And I, now the trust is about to go out the door. And the final straw was when I said, you see this sharp stick? While this bag is over your head, I'm going to stick this sharp stick into the bag and out the other side. He said, you're going to push it all the way out the other? Yeah. I'm going to hold it right over your head and do that. Now, how much do you trust me? See, the idea of trust is I may not understand how it all works, all right? But I rely upon Jesus because of who he is and what he said. I don't have to have a slide rule and a, a, a deep explanation as to this and that and the other. And, and, and can I visibly see salvation take place? No, I, I can't do any of that. But listen to me. Trust is when you say, listen, I just put myself in your hands. And that's what I'm afraid is missed out on so many salvation experiences. We know all about them. We know all the words to say. We've repeated all the prayers. But we've never said, Lord, here I am. You save me. I trust in you because this is not something I can do on my own. That's the knowledge that he's talking about where we actually enter into that relationship with him. I've got to hurry. These actions and this knowledge must be about the true God as he mentioned here back in John 17. This is life eternal that they know thee. The only true God. Listen to me and hear me well. We live in a world today where we don't like exclusivity. 
we want we want to be you know very accommodating and we want we want everybody to see it their way and go their own way and do their own way and and all this and that and the other and God says listen to me you can trust in Mary till the cows come home and you will not be saved you can trust in Muhammad until there until the end of time you can trust in Baal or Baal, as we say it in the South. You can trust in Asterot. You can trust in Diana. You can trust in Zeus. You can go back to the Egyptians and you can tr trust in Osiris. And you can put a shelf up and have all of these gods. But Jesus said, listen to me, I am the way. Not me and all of them. Not me or any of them. Me to the one Father. This knowledge is very exclusive. Whether this world likes it or not, it's what it is. It is the only way. In closing, I'd ask you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. Here's the beautiful thing about this knowledge. In closing, Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, first time I heard a preacher read this, God who spoke this way on Sundays. It's not Sunday, it's sundry. All right? Let me just read that very quickly, that, at least that phrase in the ESV, and you'll get a better idea of what he's talking about. The ESV translates it this way, long ago at many times and in many ways. And that's the exact idea. Long ago, at many times, and in many different ways. All right? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand, of the majesty on high being made also or being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they what's what's the author of hebrews saying the author author of hebrews is saying very simply this god is so serious that this is life eternal that you might know him and his son that in ages past in lots of different ways and at lots of different times he has given the information that you might know him the Bible said he did it through prophets in other places Paul talks about the uh, in in the book of Ephesians about the the, the prophets and and the preachers and and though the apostles you see God has revealed himself to us through nature God has revealed himself to us through the written word. And then God revealed himself to us through the living word. So that we might have all we needed to know him. Now you can know all of this. But until you see him and recognize him and see yourself, recognize yourself. And you come to him in faith and repentance. 
then all you have is a bunch of knowledge and awareness and no eternal life. Do you have eternal life this morning? If I were to come to you and ask you, do you have eternal life? Your answer needs to be yes, because I know him. Using the meaning of the word know that he uses. And if you do know him, understand this, the Bible presents this truth. Those that really know him, now listen to me, especially all of us saints. We've all been tuned out because we're thinking, yeah, boy, he's nailing all them lost people today. Boy, I hope them lost people get up and go before, you know, go to the altar. But listen to me now, for those of us that are saved, the Bible says if we truly know him, our life will become a strive to be like him. If there's no striving in your life to be like him, not Brother Jeff, not faith, but the Bible calls into question, do you really know him? Let's stand very quietly. Father, we come to you today. We thank you so much for your word. Paul said that the scriptures were given to us by inspiration and that they're profitable. In that same passage, he told Timothy that from a child, and he uses the word as, a, as, a, as, as a, a, just a very young toddler, that from the child you have known the scriptures and the scriptures have made you wise unto salvation. Father, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you for the living word, Jesus. He said, have I been with you so long that you've seen me and you've not seen the Father? Lord, I pray for the one today that knows all about you, is aware of you, but they don't know you. Dear God, that today would be the day. May each and every one of us that know you strive to be like you. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.